0: Okay, so today we're gonna look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. But before we begin to take apart the text, I, I have some big observations that I want us to kind of dwell on as we approach this text. The first thing is that we need to look at the context in which this section of Scripture is written. And notice that Paul obviously has just told them to flee from, them, from their sexual immorality. That is no light subject matter. And you would think that their sin would mess up everything that was going on in the Christian life over there and mess up everything that was going on in the church. I mean, sexual immorality is not a light subject. And put into more practical terms... There is a general mindset, at least that I see in counseling with people and talking with people, that if we're struggling with sins in our life, that God obviously can't use us. That if we have constant fumblings and falling into our addictions, that if, even if we give into our sins willingly, when no one's looking at times, that somehow we're, that we're of no use to God, to God with our life. Now, Do sins create hindrances in pursuing the ways of God? Yes. Do they cause devastating effects upon people around us and ourselves? Yes. But we must not forget that though our sin is great, our God is greater than our sins. And I'm sure we would agree, right, that he is greater than our sins because of his forgiveness because of his grace that covers our sins, no matter how wretched they are. But there's something else we easily forget, which affects the way we think about ourselves and the way we view others and approach others. We forget that God is greater than our sins, meaning that he can still work within us, and work his wonders in the people around us, despite our sins. He's greater than our sins. And I bring this up because we very easily become defeated by our sin in our life, and we feel miserable with our known sins that keep popping up, and we shouldn't for God is always doing things within us and amongst us as we'll see from this text or another way of looking at this from a different angle is that when we see others christians when we see other christians sin and they and we see how they constantly fall into them we sometimes have a narrow view of only seeing their sins and the effects of their sins but completely ignore and pay no attention to the workings that God is doing within them amongst or amongst other people despite their sins. We want to ignore that part. And in fact, sometimes we are afraid of pointing out the workings of God in them because we think that somehow that maybe we'll end up affirming their sin. And then they won't repent of it because they'll think that, well, God is doing a good work within me anyway. So why do I need to stop that sin? But that's so far from the truth. Because in reality, pointing out God's glorious work in them will actually and should motivate them to flee from their sin because God is working in them and has not abandoned them because of their sin. It's his grace that motivates people, not his law, because it's all finished for us in Christ by faith in him alone. So our our title today then is simple, but it's the truth that we need to remember always in our dealings with people and ourselves. When you look in the mirror, when you go outside, you turn on the TV, we need to remember this. God's grace is greater than our sin. So we're going to look at their text and see how we can be encouraged in the Lord and his grace. Paul says at the beginning of verse 9, at chapter 4, he says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Now this statement really is, it's a striking one. Because again, looking at what just preceded it, he just addressed their sexual immorality amongst them. So even with this nasty sin in their life, rather than just leave them there to be burdened in their guilt and shame, saying, "Well, you better clean yourself up. You better get your act together. I'm so disappointed in you church. I just I preached the gospel. You said you love Jesus, and now you're doing this. What's wrong with you?" Instead of saying that and leaving them in their sin. Paul comes in and reveals how powerful the gospel is in their life and how truly the power of sin has lost control over them by saying, by saying this, by saying even though you have weakness in your life, big, nasty, wretched weakness, that's obviously seen. God's power is still working in you and that also can be seen. This gospel is good news. And he says the God's power can be seen in your life because of your love for each other. So much so that I need not to write and bring out this love of God within you because you are yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Meaning, more specifically, even though you have major issues in your life and it can be seen, you know it's wrong. You are still on the path by faith in Jesus and you're paying attention to God's love that has been poured into your heart. Even if it's little, I can see it, I know it's there. As it says in Romans chapter 5, 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul here in our text is saying, you are already in the process of hearing or listening to God's direction of his love in your life. And I can see it. And I can see it because of how you're loving each other as a family. Because that's what the word love essentially is getting at here in verse 9. He's pointing to a family type of love. So even with all their sin, there still was this deep loving bond that shined bright amongst them that even Paul himself had to comment on. And he can't and he couldn't deny it. Even with all their struggles, they were moving forward at least in this aspect. But though their sin was great, God's grace is great. Because notice, Paul here builds upon this. And he says in verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 10. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Meaning that this family love mindset that was happening amongst them was also being carried out to other Christians around their city and beyond. For they saw all Christians as their family and welcomed them as a family. So I'm going to get real here for a moment. If you have faith in Christ, okay, know this. Your sin, whatever you're struggling with, that does not define you anymore. Your sin, even though you're struggling with it, does not have a hold upon you anymore. For God is the one who defines you now. He defines who you are. God is the one who is directing your life now and is teaching you, not your sin. For for this is the promise of the gospel. As John chapter 6, verse 45 says, and we'll have it on the screen. John 6, 45 says, It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. That's you. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Coming to him is learning about him. See, if you have faith in Christ, know that you are being taught by God in this very moment and for our context of this thing called love, even if you sin against your God. God has not abandoned you, but because of Jesus and his works upon your behalf, God is teaching you And the only thing that we have to do, we love doing, right? We want to do, tell me what to do. Listen by faith. That's it. Don't ignore him because of your sin. Just listen and listen. You and I just have to start paying more attention to the Lord and his gospel of grace rather than get caught up in our sin. Stop being so defeated. Stop making your sin so great, greater than God. Just say, no, my God is greater than my sin. Knowing that his gospel here, it, the, the gospel of the grace of God is powerful. It's powerful. It's not just a story to make you feel better when you're down, but it is the power of God. As Romans 1.16 says, you'll see that here on the screen. For I Am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Not who does, but just believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For again, God is now teaching us. He is guiding us. He is directing us. He is changing us. And he is empowering us. This is the promise that God has made to us Now that we have faith in Christ, that will not be taken away. Just as it says in Isaiah 54, verse 13. This concept of being taught by God comes all over the place. All your children, that's you, shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. The peace of knowing that the Lord is with you. Or again, it says in Jeremiah 31, verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will, this is God speaking, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What do you do in that whole situation? Nothing, you just believe. Paul was making it clear that God was doing this very thing within them and that they were listening. He didn't have to remind them. He was just like, you're you're doing it. Now, even with with this awesome praise of Paul's words towards them in the Lord and his workings of love within them, which they were following, you might think that maybe they hit the fullness of what family love looks like. But that's never the case. Christians never hit a point of perfection in anything while alive here on this earth. Your glory, your perfection will happen once you die and you're in heaven. But until then, you're going to have sin all the way. You'll always be falling short. But that's why Jesus was perfect for us. Anyways, so what Paul says then at the end of verse 10, but we urge you brothers to do this more and more, meaning even they, with all this praise, had room to grow in love. Room to let the Lord teach them how to grow more and more and more in what they were doing already. Which, guess what? Means that you and I have room and are encouraged to grow more in love. We are encouraged to listen to our Lord in how He wants us to grow in His love more and more towards each other and other Christians that are out in the world. The key is even if we are struggling with our own sins, guess what? Big sins in their life, big sins in your life. But guess what? Because of this, we can still grow in loving each other as a family. We can always be more loving, even with those sins, and we'll never hit the end of growing in love here upon this earth. We'll never say, because you, you may think, well, I do pretty good. You can never say, I have hit my max of love and I can give no more. Not while you're living. I mean, when I see you in the grave, then okay, they hit their max. Until then, you haven't hit anything. I mean, the Lord Jesus is the great example Of what love looks like, especially towards the church. He is the very definition of love. If you don't believe me, as he stated this in John 13 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Oh, okay. Well, how? Just as I loved you. Wow. Okay. You also then are to love one another. Can you ever say you were loved exactly like Jesus has loved anyone? No. Nope. If you do, we have I have counseling sessions. If you want to come talk, we can talk. We always learn to grow and love like Jesus more and more in everything and with each other. And here's the thing. Through faith in Christ... He can empower you to do so with every person in this church and with the other Christians around you. You can grow in loving them all like family, not just the ones you happen to like. You can love people and not like them. We forget that. We think because we don't like them, then we can't love them. No. But I have to stress this, that love, again, is not something that you're able to do on your own because it's taught of who? It's taught of the Lord. You have to look and rely upon him to bring out this love through faith in Christ alone. You know what that means? It means saying, Christ, help me love more. Think of someone you're having a hard time loving. Think of someone you don't like. Think of someone who you just can't stand and maybe you purposely didn't sit by this morning. You're like, oh, shoot. (laughs) What you say is, Lord, help me love them. Help me love them because they are not loving me back. But help me not expect the love back just to give them. It all comes down to looking by faith to Jesus, really, for anything in the Christian life. And for our current context, look and rely upon Jesus on how to grow in love. You know, you may have even in your relationships with maybe your spouse, maybe with your kids, maybe with some family member, ask the Lord to help you to grow in love. That's the one thing people, they all, everyone turns to like help books and how to, just ask the Lord to help you learn how to love. Go to him first, not last. Okay, so anyways, now here's the wonderful thing. Paul doesn't leave us or them in complete dark about what increasing in this love looks like amongst each other or in this world. So he moves on to express what the practical outworkings of Christian love is. And he does this in the next few verses. But I want to be real quick, and I want to take a detour here for the sake of, of all of us so that we can have a full expression of what love looks like so no one is confused into asking you know what you should be asking to God asking God what to teach you so a great passage to look at that helps define love and things that you can increase in asking the Lord help me is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 when you look at this passage you'll see love is described here as actions And not just emotions alone. And as with these Thessalonians, their love towards each other and others was summarized essentially by actions because how else could they love people who weren't in their local city? They would have have to love others as family as in, at that time, opening their homes. Loving action, hospitality. When Christians would pass by they would be sending financial help to those in need, and they, they did. They would help have to serve and help people with their issues, pray with others, actions. Though emotions were part of that, that was not what essentially what Paul was praising them for in the Lord when he says you're loving people across Macedonia. So let's read 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. Just to make sure there's no confusion as to what real love looks like and to see how the Lord can teach you and I, me, how to increase in loving actions towards each other and the Christians around us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 says this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. You never hit your max. So with that in mind, let's come back to the text and look at what Paul is directly wanting to To see them grow more in, in this outworking of love, which we too can grow more in. Paul says in verse 11, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. And here Paul becomes quite honest, quite practical with the outworking of love and and the life of the church. When Paul says here real quick uh, to live quietly, he's not saying you can't be outgoing And he's not saying you can't have a loud voice. I know some of you are like, whew. But rather, Paul is saying to pursue ambitiously a life that does not call attention to yourself. Or even more bluntly, don't live to make life about you. For a life of love, as we read before, does not place oneself in front of others. But places others above self. And more specifically, a life that is empowered by the love of God that's relying upon him and learning from him will draw attention to Jesus more than attention to self. A quiet life is one that wants to make Jesus known above all else, above all things, above politics, above sports, above hobbies, above your own children. Living Quietly means that we will have contentment in our life because our life is not about validating who we are in front of people. It's not about proving your worth to the people around us. Our life isn't about fulfilling our desires, but the Lord's desires for us, which is what? Trusting him, following him, seeking him, making much of him. Or as John the Baptist said in regards to Christ, in John chapter 3, verse 30, he says this, You can put it on the screen. He must increase, but I must decrease. Remember that when you're in an argument. Who be right? Doesn't matter who's right. What matters is what will glorify Christ. That's what matters. Not about being right. Because you can be right and still evil. You can be right and still a jerk. So Paul is basically encouraging them to remember that everything now is about Jesus, not you. It's all about God's glory, not yours. So continue more and more in letting God's love melt your pride. Abolish your self-centeredness so he can be known and seen through it all. What's going to glorify him? That's what he's getting at here. For the gospel has called you to freedom from such things and will release you from such things as you focus on it. And then when he says, and to mind your own affairs, Paul is not saying that you can't look for ways to help people in need. He's not even saying that you can't point out other people's sins in their life so that they should repent of them. No, what he's saying here is that the love of God empowers you to mind your own business and not get caught up in trying to control everyone around you to your own standards, to your own ways, to the, to your own views, to the way your own way of going about things. Love does not make people conform to your ways. Does not. Love does not make people conform to your personal likes. It's things that have nothing to do with following Jesus. Or be more to the point. Love does not become so critical of everyone by pointing out their flaws. I tell you, if you follow the media, that's all it does. And then that carries to us. And then we look at each other, and we just want to point out everyone's flaws. But rather, love gives the benefit of the doubt to people out of grace. Thinking the best of the people, not the worst. Start an important conversation like that. Thinking the best rather than the worst. See what happens. And this love empowers us then to be gracious with people when we don't understand exactly what's going on with them or why they're doing what they're doing. We think it's so dumb, but let's just give some grace here. Let's find out. Let's find the reasoning. Because guess what? You're not all-knowing, so you probably don't know why they did what they did. But anyways, for the love of God reminds us that just as God is dealing with us personally out of grace, you you do a lot of bad things against him, but he deals with you out of grace. He is also dealing with others personally out of grace. So we just need to encourage people in Jesus and his ways rather than become their personal critics. Let's see how you did this week. And at the end of verse 11, Into verse 12, Paul says, and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may live properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. And the direct context here that Paul is addressing is that people were refusing to work and would rather just expect the church to take care of all their needs now that they were believers, even though they could work for themselves. So real quick, when he says be dependent upon no one, he's not speaking to those who are disabled. He's not speaking to people that have some type of handicap, whatever that may be, that they can't take care of themselves. And he's not speaking to people who have a real hard life situation that's going on, that this life season is just tough. He's not speaking about that. He's speaking to the people in the church who are prone to exploit the church or exploit other Christians' charity In the church for their personal gain, so they don't have to work to earn a living and don't have to work so they can become independent and take care of themselves. Paul says the teaching of love, uh, the teaching of the love of God that's within us, will promote a willingness in us to want to be independent, to want to be independent, and to try to seek out such ways so that we can be a blessing to those who are in need and not necessarily be the ones that are in need. Rather than just take the blessings and exploit and expect blessings from the people. For just as Acts 20, 35 says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. So then for us, The more we focus on the love of God and let him teach us, he will promote such desires within us to want to bless others, like through the giving of our tithes and offerings to be used to bless people in need in the Lord, like the giving of our time and the giving of our resources, serving and being involved with people to uplift them in the Lord, rather than living to receive all of that from God. We will want to be the ones who give such blessings to the people out of love. Because truly the gospel is all about giving. For God just gives grace upon grace to us. He gave us his own son out of love when we had no love for him and we were trapped in our sin. And when we think upon that, upon how that worked, how he has provided everything we need in his son Jesus how can that not promote the same type of love in us, this giving spirit of wanting to benefit others? So now looking back at the text then, when Paul says, so that you may walk properly before outsiders, we've now come back to what I have spoken about earlier or in the beginning, that God's grace is greater than our sin. And by revealing how God's grace is working within us despite our sin. This will empower us to want to repent of our sin and live out a gratitude to God by following his ways. And and that is what Paul is getting at here when he says that you may walk properly. As we listen to God's love, it should empower us to turn from our sinful ways, just as the sins that he has listed. For though the gospel power, right, can break through any hindrance of sin that we have in our life, we need not try to add to those hindrances willingly, but should do whatever it takes to live according to the ways of God out of gratitude for what he has done for us so that we can be a good, willing, and outspoken witness to the power of the gospel in our life and not just passive ones. But what must be stated here, even with this, even if we fail at this, which obviously these people were. (laughs) Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have brought it up. They were still saved. They were still loved. They were still cared. They still had God's favor. They had all the blessings, even though they were being passive because the gospel's good news is not dependent upon you. It's all dependent upon Christ. The gospel's good news that gives rest to our weary souls because we are no longer condemned. We are free to do from, from absolutely everything. God has not abandoned them, Paul is saying, because Christ has fulfilled all the commands that they had broken. He had fulfilled it all by his own life. Because even if they tried their hardest, they couldn't fulfill these commands perfectly on their own at all. But Christ already did it for them as he did it for us. All by faith in him alone. And by remembering that gospel truth, how Christ has paid everything for us, how his life was perfect on our behalf, that will, by consequence, begin to enable us to live out the very things that we mentioned here today, all by the Lord's power and not our own. And as we focus on that gospel truth, growing deeper into his love by faith in him, this will enable us to begin a life of ever-growing love amongst each other as family, more and more, and a life that will reveal God's power to outsiders. For the grace of God is greater than our sins. His grace will shine brighter than our failures, for it is truly finished in Christ, all by faith in Him. So we're going to go ahead of a time of response. The deacons will be here, and they'll stay after too, if you would like to pray with them. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your hope. Thank You for Your joy. Thank You for Your love. And Lord, that list can go on and on and on and on. And God, thank You for that. that there's not a single thing, person, idea, material aspect of life that is not given to us, but as a blessing so that we may glorify you. Thank you, Lord, for everything that we touch, even our own bodies are given to glorify you. Thank you for that wonder. But above all, thank you for allowing us to know you as a father who loves his children Thank you for that. Lord, help us repent of our sins then. Help us, Lord, to be more grateful. Help us to be more graceful with each other. And help us, Lord, to declare your name to the outsiders. But help us remember, Lord, even as we fail doing that, you love us anyway. Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you here today, I pray that today be the day that they make the decision to follow you and they realize that they are sinners in need of grace and they're amongst the club of sinners who declare we are in need of your grace every day. We pray this in your son's name.